Welcome to Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Snell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hey, Mark. Hey, Carolyn. Good how are you doing? I'm doing well. Today, we have Colin Demarest. Defense Networks and Cyber Reporter at C4ISRNet, a publication focused on providing the latest updates in defense IT and cyber defense for the warfighter and the DOD enterprise. How are you doing, Colin? I am well. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited welcome about to, today's conversation. Welcome to Tech Transforms. It yeah. feels good to be back on a podcast. It's been a minute, so thank you guys. Yeah. Well, so before we jumped on, I went to your your webpage, which we'll put in our show notes so our, our listeners can go look at some of your photography. And um, so you've been, well, first, how long have you been a journalist, a reporter, a photography? How, how long has this been for you? I guess it would date back to junior year of college. So that'd be like 2015. Not the best at math. So I think what that's seven years professionally something like that yeah close enough and then <laughs> and then close photography enough. photography started in high school as a, as a hobby and I chose it as a minor in college when I went to USC in South Carolina um and it just kind of snowballed from there so I flipped through some of your photographs yeah. and the stuff on Instagram is probably better oh okay so, so do you yeah. always do black and white because the stuff on your website is black and white I used to do that predominantly just because I started with film and 35 millimeter medium format cameras. And then I kind of caved and got rid of my pretentiousness and went into color. (laughs) Well, when I looked through, especially your portraits, I really wanted to climb into the portraits and ask their story. Well, thank you. That that means a lot. That's the first time I've heard that. So that's, that's good. I mean, did, when you photograph people, do you often kind of interview them too and get their story or? So that's been the nice thing about having that combination of journalism and photography. One, I enjoy both. And two, they pair well. You can, you basically have an excuse as a reporter or a photographer to kind of just interrogate people at will or <laughs> take their photo and then just run down the street and never see them again. And that's, that's a really fun part of it. And most of the time, if I take a, a photo that I really do enjoy, especially for work and not just like out on the weekend shooting, I'll ask them for their name, you know, their age, where they're from, kind of their backstory, why they're there, you know, why are you at this protest? Uh, what, you know, what, what are your interests? Why are you out walking through Central Park right now? That sort of thing. So it's, it's a mix of, a mix of that, but I, I've also taken plenty of photos from afar with a big lens and never spoken a word to them. Creepy. This is interesting. Usually, I'm just very creepy. <laughs> usually we do this backwards, right? Usually we get to like the, the, the uh, per- more personal fun stuff at the end, but that's, this is yeah. great. We're starting right in on it. Well, I wondered as I looked at the photographs, because you also have a lot of industrial and nature mix, mm-hmm. which I loved because it made me think about this world that we live in and how technology really is. It's part of our lives. Like it's interwoven into everything we do, including our walks through nature to some extent. No, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that happen. But so, so let me, you focus on defense reporting and primarily, I feel like 
is communications. Is that fair to say? The, the, the way I describe it to my mom is that, you know, it's the way the military talks to each, you know, one service talks to each other, yeah. or talks to another service or the military just shares important data that lets X shoot Y, that sort of thing. And that, that's a good way to kind of describe it to the layman. So with your photography and defense, which can be highly sensitive, are you able to do a lot of photography and be able to? Oh, no, no, it's all. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. No, it's, it was, it was, um, at my last job in South Carolina, I got to cover, I got to photograph a lot of politics and town stuff and, you know, live events and breaking news. But honestly, I, I, I was more than happy to sacrifice some professional photography to move to the DC area, take on this really awesome defense job, um, defense reporting job, and then say, Hey, I'll go photograph on the weekends or when I'm off early one day, I'll just go into town and have at it. Are you old school or are you new digital uh, technology when it comes to photography? It's, I'm definitely a, a, a digital all the way now. Uh, I realized film and the dark room and the chemicals and the paper just got way too expensive, way too and time consuming, and time consuming. And, and way too much time. It's 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 a big difference between throwing in your SD card into your little dongle or whatever your attachment versus developing film and then having to figure out which ones you like and all that sort of stuff. So I took, I took classes, photography classes in, in, in college and, and said, this dates me. So you had no option back then. It was all no. old school. So when you went in the dark room, literally you could go in at the beginning of the weekend and come out at the end of the weekend. And you're like, poof, it's all gone. You've yeah. the whole and, time and in there. <laughs> for all you know, all, all your photos are bad. So there's, there's no telling until you actually do it. So do you feel like the technology, the digital side of photography has made it better or has it has it taken anything away from your experience? I think it's made it more accessible. Certainly, um, uh, it's great. It was always it's great seeing people just grab a camera and start shooting on automatic, and the photo will be good. Um, maybe not artistically, but it will be in focus and exposed correctly, and that's a great way to get into things. But I think I, I personally do appreciate the uh, the time spent in the dark room. You know sucking it up, realizing your photos are bad from that, that weekend <laughs> and moving on. I mean, there's something to be said for that learning process, right? When you're really hands-on mixing chemicals, um, standing in the dark, trying to unspool your, your film and be hoping like you don't mess it up or smudge it or scratch it. It's that hands-on part is missing. I there's think a lot, there's a lot of solitary time. There's, there's a lot of moments for reflection <laughs> when you do analog. Well, that's just what I was thinking. There's got to be some catharsis involved in that process that you don't get with the digital because now you're mm-hmm. just looking at a screen to, to mm-hmm. edit and curate. Mm-hmm. So but I, I do have to say Photoshop and Lightroom have definitely made me a, a better photographer. I'm not going to lie about that either. So you don't think that's cheating? No, that's as long okay. as you don't, as, as long as you don't, you know, break a certain line on that i think it's it's you know just like i couldn't be a researcher without google so or a reporter without google excuse me yeah so if i put like twinkly stars around my head and stuff that's cool with yeah. the filter <laughs> yeah you, you do you as long as you're happy never i never do that all right well let's dive into um some of the topics that you've been really focused on lately and that is and to like full transparency here, Mark and I were talking beforehand. We're like, we don't know what any of this is. So (laughs) this is going to be great for us. 
So some of the things that you've been focusing on include capability sets 21 and 23, never heard of that, and the Chief Digital and Artificial Intelligence Office and 5G capabilities. 5G is where I want to start because to me, 5G is just like, eh, it's the next iteration. Why should I care? And then I read your article, which you can tell your mom that I've read your articles. You can feel okay, free to, you shame her. Um, I'll send her this podcast and she'll probably <laughs> pretend to listen to it too. <laughs> okay. So the article that you wrote in June, it's titled AT&T Demonstrates 5G Capabilities for U.S. Navy Smart Warehouse. Um, and you discuss how naval-based Coronado in California successfully demonstrated its 5G network. And again, I'm just like, really, are we writing articles about this? But then I read the article and you start out, you know, citing that in 2020, the Pentagon chucked $600 million to 5G defense investigation. And the more I read, I'm like, okay, clearly I'm missing something. So please enlighten me as to what this fight, why we should care so much about the 5G network. So kind of to your point, 5G was one of the first things I could really wrap my head around when I took this job in February, because, you know, you deal with it every day. You look at your phone, it's 5G when you're in a big city or something. And, you know, it's just there. It's generally it's faster and, you know, you you don't have really any problems. with. And it, it means these god awful towers that are everywhere. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But on the on the on the Pentagon side of things, you know, 5G offers that quicker response, another or more flexibility and sort of opens the door to more advanced tech with its faster speeds, its lower latency, and it can accommodate more and more advanced devices, if that makes sense. So like at Naval Base Coronado in California, that AT&T 5G network there, it it powered experiments with virtual and augmented reality, Mm -hmm. HD video surveillance, and they were able to use AI that was extended from the cloud. Um, there, there's that big focus on logistics, kind of, you know, how can we best or better move things around and make sure it's accurate, get something from the warehouse to a ship or vice versa quickly, accurately. And, you know, and having that advantage then translates to something down the road. If you're fighting against an enemy, the quicker and more accurately you can do something, the better. And they're hoping five, then by they, I mean, the, the defense department, they're hoping, you know, that's, that's the, the future for the reality. But what's so different about 5G that we have to experiment and test with it? Isn't it just like the next, like patch Tuesday, it just happens. And now we're using it. Mark's shaking his head. Oh, Carolyn. <laughs> I was like, if, if Mark, if Mark wants to chime in, but basically, um, I, I, I I want to be careful with what I'm saying here, but I think the, the Pentagon is more or less playing catch up almost. Not like we have it in our phones and we use it no problem. And that's the commercial side of it day to day. But there are a lot of considerations on the defense side for security and that sort of thing that have to go into it before they can implement it and use it. Incompatibility, yeah. et cetera. So, so I, I look at it this way, Colin, tell me if this is, if this is a, a, you know, a simplistic way of looking at it. It's kind of like, uh, how uh, government agencies or enterprises upgrade technology stacks. It's like they have old legacy, uh, you know, data centers and technologies, including the network. And then you add everything new in there. And it's like a modernization effort. 
And so does, is it, does it work? Is it compatible with legacy systems and things like that? That was my, that when, it, when the rub was, oh no, there could be like the, I think there was the, you know, uh, the issue where the FAA did not want to, mm-hmm. or airlines didn't want them to upgrade. They thought it might take down existing systems that they had mm. um, in place and stuff like that. So, or calls so it really is 5G really is that much different than what we, for at least defense, it's enough different. They had all these, does that happen with every iteration? of? Well, I was, I was going to say to Mark's point, um, there's a lot in the defense world when it comes to issues of compatibility. You're seeing that a lot. Something else like hover is joint all domain command and control. And that's trying to get, you know, the the, Na- the Navy to speak to the Air Force, to speak to the Army without mm. any inhibitions or kind of barriers. And a lot of that, a lot of the problems there are these older systems that might be out of style or incompatible with one another. And you have to figure out how to get A to connect with B, but A has, was never meant to connect with B. And that, mm. that sort of thing. So a hardware problem, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay. So... At this point, is are they using 5G? And if they are, do you think it's changed the DOD enterprise? Has it done everything they dreamed it would? So I would say they're still figuring things out. Um, and that's where all these, like that $600 million investment where they're investing in all these bases to figure out, you know, where do we go from here? How can this best work? The, the department launched another initiative, uh, I want to say a couple months ago, that was like, you know, give us your best solutions. We want to develop this commercial ecosystem where, you know, company one can work with company two and give us the best thing that's out there for our soldiers or our sailors or whatever have you. So I I would say that it's still in the experimentation phase and things are certainly not all figured out. Where where do you think, in this generally speaking, where do you think we are in the landscape, in the global landscape, as it relates to 5G? So that's a, an interesting question because um, in, in that article with the naval base, there's, um, you know, the, the competition side of it. And within that is the DOD's uh, 2020 5G implementation plan. And it recognizes that, you know, the, the nations or the players that really get a firm grip or master 5G will be afforded these economic and military advantages. So there's always that concern of, oh, what if China gets ahead of us? What if Russia gets ahead of us on this? What does that mean for the U.S.'s footing on the international stage? And I think most prominently, you might have seen that um, with Huawei and those um, Mm -hmm. security considerations that everyone's like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, I think that's probably the most visible or like when you, when you talk about this to a, a layman or someone who's not necessarily um, an expert or an everyday consumer of this, I think that's one of the ones that really jumps out. Well, let's jump to one of your other articles um, where you talk about the U.S. Army um, looking to improve its aerial tier network. Mm-hmm. Is the aerial t- tier network the same as 5G? So, uh, No. I, I think is the best way to answer that. So the aerial tier network are these things in the air, airborne assets that can relay signals or information. Satellites? Like um, the Army's experimenting with uh, unmanned systems, like small drones oh. um, that can basically just like pop up above your head and send information 
to the next valley where like maybe your signal, if you were in one valley and another team was in another valley and you couldn't directly talk, you pop one of these up and it can send it over the mountains or something and get that information to them when they need it. And quickly, obviously that's another main consideration. So the, you know, the, the army wants to extend these lines of communication on the ground using those small drones potentially. And they also want to quicken the pace of information sharing air to air and air to ground. So there's two considerations there. This was tested at what's known as Project Convergence 21. Um, it's this big experiment that the Army puts on every year to test these cool new technologies and systems. And they said in that test in Project Convergence 21 that this aerial tier prototypes and stuff were were successful in sharing this information Wait, and doing. Sorry, it's 21 the year it happens, or 21 yeah, is. So does the aerial network have anything to do with 5G? Do they use those capabilities or it's really all about these like pop-up communication centers? Drones? So the, the generals I've, I've interviewed in the recent past are consider 5G one of those um, avenues that are, that would make this information sharing on the battlefield possible. Mm. Um, it's, it's another option for them to use. Um, and aerial tier network network is another one of those things where they're like, hey, we can use this technology, we can use this piece of gear to also extend or help our communications. If that makes does sense. It, does this have anything to do with laser to laser communication line of sight? Laser communication. So line of sight communication is one of those things. Like when I mentioned, you know, valley to valley, if there's a or in a yeah. city. If there's a building blocking your signal, that's one of those considerations you can do. You can throw something in the air and right. bump it over that obstacle or that canopy or what, what have you. Okay. So same article, you touched on this a little bit. What do capability sets 21 and 23 entail? I think we, we got 21. So is 23 just the next iteration of 21? So if I could walk that back a little bit. Just because this is sort of how I learned it, and it, it kind of starts on this foundation that kind of capability sets at their most generic are a, a means to inject this new technology into the army every two years. Um, they build off of each other, they're compounding. It's kicked off in fiscal year 2021. So then you have expectations for 23, 25, 27, and beyond. Mm. Um, I, I often liken it to the way Apple does their iPhones. You know, they have the new enhanced hardware that rolls out on the heels of the last release and kind of trickles into the population. You start with those early, early adopters, and then it gets wider and wider. And then the new one comes out and you rinse and repeat. Um, there's a, an office here. There's an army office known as PEO C3T. That's Program Executive Office for Command, Control, and Communications Tactical. And they use these capability sets. Um, to introduce, to, to develop, you know, evaluate, and then introduce these pieces of technology to the, to the, to the force. So capability set 21 was really focused on infantry brigades, um, increasing connectivity, making this communications gear smaller, lighter, faster, more flexible. In April, the army was basically almost done outfitting these brigade combat teams with that capability set gear. Um, and then capability set 23 is focused on strikers. It's, I, I don't know if you've seen them before, but um, they're 
just kind of these big, I don't, I don't really know how to describe them, but I guess they're just like, they're not tanks. They're not, they're not cars. Yeah, I guess you could call they're they're somewhere ground, in the middle there. Ground, yeah, they're ground vehicle vehicles. Things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, you can load a bunch of people in them. Um, so capability set 23 focused on these strikers, um, boosting bandwidth and figuring out additional paths for communication. And capability set 23 begins to lay the foundation for joint all domain command and control, which I mentioned a little earlier. And then you really start getting into the weeds with this kind of joint all domain command control. Yes. And it's, it's known as JADC2. It's one of those yeah, yeah, military yeah. things that really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> generally, generally, you you think you get you, you know you you hear people talk about the government as a whole being behind the commercial world as it relates to IT and technology. Um, kind of hear it generally speak speaking, and I think it's kind of true. But in the DoD, in in the IC, I think in a lot of you know there's a lot of areas that that is not the case. They're way out in front, and they're the stakes are so high on this kind of stuff that they're actually, you know, mm-hmm. it way out there, um, you know, compared to everyone else. So Colin, sorry, my sci-fi brain's going, well, my brain is thinking about how I would want to play with some of this stuff. <laughs> Have you ever, when you, you talked about the 5G and using it for augmented reality, which, I mean, I don't have access to. Did you get to play with any of that? Sadly, no. Oh. Um, I, yeah, I know. It's one of those things like you you get to write about all these things. And like This is so cool. Like, can I get my hands on it? Can I get a photo of it? And it's typically no for obvious security reasons. But in um, what, what month was that? In, I think, late April, PEOC3T, that, that office, invited a bunch of, bunch of reporters out to Fort Myer here in Virginia. And we got to we did get to see in person these technologies, um, these things that are being developed and kind of figure out, like we got, we got to see what they look like in person as we write about it behind a keyboard a little farther removed. And that was really cool. We got to go inside of a command post and see a demonstration of their software that they're using to, you know, coordinate everything that's on the battlefield and make sure everyone's on the same page. And we got to see like the, uh, the rain, the radios they're using and that sort of thing. So that, I haven't, I haven't gotten to go behind the, augmented reality but i have i have seen something speaking of augmented reality how do you think ai plays into all of this all of these technologies you're talking about that's a really good question too because ai i think the the department of defense is really starting to focus on and obviously i came into this job in february so my my sense of history really sort of begins to develop there but in my time here it's I'm writing about AI almost as much as everything else because there's always an AI tie-in. It seems like when you want to make your decisions faster, if you want to go through all this, this huge ocean of data or information or photos or what have you, you can't have one guy sitting behind a keyboard. I mean, you could do that, but it'll take you forever to sort through it all. And artificial intelligence or machine learning comes in in that aspect. It can also, you know, there's talk about unmanned systems, unmanned ships, what have you, and all of that plays into it as well. So to, I guess to better answer your question is, I think it'll be very important or will be a major slice of the pie moving forward. I bet you are excited to see how this kind of develops over time. Um, 
I mean, it seems pretty exciting. It's exciting stuff. You know, um, I yeah, would love to see what was behind the curtain. But it's definitely, it's definitely really that. cool. It's definitely really cool, especially because I wasn't necessarily super familiar with all its applications or how it could be used coming into this role. And now I'm kind of, you know, dive in head first and it's like so much stuff to take in and so much stuff to kind of just chew on and digest. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. So did yeah. you seek out this, this beat or like, half why, and half, how did I you would, choose this? Say, is it a beat? I would, yeah. What is the, it? A beat? So they call it a beat? Yeah. So, so the beat is, um, defense networks, cyber and it is the best way I like to describe it. And sort of, it's, it's a bit of a unwieldy title, but it gets to the heart of it. Um, I was more or less recommended for this job and through, uh, through a, through a friend and it went well. And I was like, yeah, let's try it. This seems, this seems really awesome. I got that defense bug with covering nuclear policy in South Carolina. And I was like, where, where else should I go except for, you know, DC to write about this stuff. So that's, that's kind of how it started. It seems like, you know, for, I guess, a period of time, the whole concept of uh, nuclear deterrence and discussion around nuclear weaponry kind of went away for a little bit. And now it seems to be kind of back in the forefront of the of public's mind, you know, with a lot of the things that are going on overseas and in Europe. Um, yeah, it's it's you know, it's hard it's hard to ignore right now with the whole um, nuclear discussion. I think it's brought has been brought to a lot of people's attention, even outside of the the, the defense sphere. And you know, I think I think more average Joes or whatever you want to call them are are talking about it, or at least reading the headlines. Yeah. So, so have you had a chance to uh, work with Space Force at all? So we actually have a, a dedicated space reporter. Her name's Courtney. Oh, okay, and she. She has much more experience than me, and she's she's a better writer than me. I will, I will say that. Um, so if you, if you have any questions to her, I'll I'll, I'll shoot that. I'll shoot. I'll forward those questions to her, and I'll get back to you guys. No, I was just I was just curious because you know the whole the we were talking about you know the the the, the communication uh, technology, um, but then you know <clears throat> that's a very important piece of that mm-hmm. world uh, mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, I, I tend to in in most of my interviews satellite communications the space tier i guess you want to call it or that that layer always comes up in conversation because it is it is vital so you've only been in this role since february of this year right correct so so not too long but has there been anything that's really surprised you or just kind of undone what you thought you knew when you've been reporting on these communication capabilities I think every day I'm a little surprised by something Um, and that might just be my naivete or that might be my ignorance or that might just be because I'm relatively new to this, but part of me really enjoying this beat and enjoying what I'm writing about is every day. It seems like there's a new piece of technology or a new application for the same technology that I get to write about and be like, Oh, wow. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of this. I'm glad I'm not the policy guy over at the, at the Pentagon because I'd be really bad at that job. Instead, I just get to write about it and learn for learn about it at myself at my own pace. <laughs> are you? Do you carry a secret clearance, or are you having to go full full on Bob Woodward here? Yeah, it's 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 Bob Woodward status. Although I would, I would, I would say I'm not nearly as qualified as that man. So, is there anything that you've written about in this year 
like one of these technologies that you're like, if I could get one day to play with this, this is like, which one would it be? <laughs> um, I think I like, I think going back, it would be a, it would be a striker. I mean, it would just be cool to drive to work. I mean, really, tra- traffic doesn't matter at that point. Right? <laughs> is it like a, just, a Humvee on steroids or what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could just you could just whip around the Beltway, not worry you about just roll, you just drive right over other cars. Yeah, just just ignore it. There's no traffic rules, I guess, <laughs> when you're in a striker. All right. Hey, hey, Colin, is there is there any breaking breaking hot off the press stuff that you can uh, you can uh, debut here? Ooh, <laughs> I I haven't I haven't I haven't written. Did you just ask him to scoop in. himself? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a really interesting um, conversation this morning, and I will leave it at that. And I will tell anyone listening to this to just check out c4isrnet.com in the near future. I'm not going to yeah. scoop myself, and I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the conversation this morning. That was a really I, good. I, I pulled teaser. a Colin on Colin. Yeah, yeah you I, did. I like that it. was a I good like teaser. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump to our tech talk questions that Colin, they're, they're just meant to be quick, you know, quick hit fun questions. Um, So first question, what do you think the next big leap in tech and specifically for the defense department is going to be? So I, I, I was reading over these, these prompts and I was like, I, I, I'm, I have no clue. I was so stumped by this question. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I I asked my fiance. I was like, "What? What, what do you think I should say to this?" I I texted my dad, and I was like, "What, what should wow, I say to this?" Crowdsourced. Okay. Oh yeah, I could. I did not want to sound dumb. Um, so I'll 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 let the listeners decide on that one though. You found um, a friend. Oh yeah, I phoned multiple <laughs> friends. Um, I, it's hard not to say AI or machine learning. I think it's also because I'm so invested in it as a reporter and always so close to it. It's been really cool to see the investments there, how it's being applied, what the U.S. you know considers its uses for, and the competition abroad. Um, it, it's just kind of hard to ignore from my perspective. My my dad said I should mention hypersonics. I'm oh, not wait, a hypersonic. What? What's I'm hyper- not a hypersonic expert, um, and I don't want to pretend I am. Uh, my my fiance said it might be autonomy, but that also plays into the AI thing. AI, well. but so. wait, I don't. I guess I don't know. Here's me sounding dumb. What is hypersonic? I would have to Google that to give you a good answer. Okay, so you were just mentioning it to sound smart. Yeah, but, I mean, I do that a lot. <laughs> okay. So, cool. so did, I could give you, you a cursory, but I would defer. To, okay. To the okay. Real did, you, did you see the new? Did you see the new Top Gun movie? Not yet. I'm saving it, Mark. Well, hold on. I haven't. I haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't seen the old one, and I haven't seen the new one. You haven't I, seen the old one. Yeah, I'm sorry if I called it old too. I guess that's that's a little. Yeah, that no, places Tom me in Cruise age. Looks, still looks the same. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how right. they did that digital mastery, I, but uh, he's yeah. uh, it's it's uh so so there. Well, I I will say that there is. Um, yeah, you might have to a, spoiler alert this. No, 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 no spoiler alert. There's a, there's a there's a piece of it where he's a test pilot. He's doing some work where he goes up to like Mach ten or something. So it's like. Uh, Hypersonics is like you think of. I, I don't know the answer to to that first question or that the first piece that you just raised about hypersonics, Carolyn. But going so fast that it can't be picked up by traditional oh. um, defense mechanisms or even radar kind of stuff. I think. Oh, that's super cool. 
All right. So I, I kind of, I kind of copped out on my answer by giving you like three different things. But. No, they all sounded super smart. <laughs> cool. So good job. Cool. <laughs> all right, Mark, you get the next one. Oh boy. Um, so what's your favorite gadget app? It's, I mean, so my favorite gadget would definitely be my camera gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, I, I think I heard you say, what's your favorite app? And I, I feel like saying Twitter isn't a real answer. I'm hopelessly addicted to Twitter. So I think my, I think my second favorite app would be the Miriam Webster app because it's kind of embarrassing, but the amount of times where I'm just sitting there and like searching a word, like, Oh, that's cool. And then you go down a rabbit hole of definitions and synonyms. Uh, yeah. That would be my, that'd be my favorite. Second that's favorite. Good one. Twitter. Good yeah. One. I love that. Okay. So Last last question here. I'm always looking for something new to read. And please don't try to make it be smart because I don't, that's like the smart stuff is way beyond me. So yeah. if you're a sci-fi lover or, or like, what's your favorite thing, favorite genre to read or watch on TV? My, fa- my favorite thing to read is definitely like historical biographies. Mm. Um, I've really enjoyed those. It's the kind of stuff you read, you know, 12 pages of it and you fall asleep and then oh. you pick it up the next night. Yeah, that kind, of, that kind of stuff. I always fall asleep reading them, but I really enjoy reading them. It's not because I'm bored. It's probably because I'm tired. But my favorite like, like genre of movies or something, it's not necessarily sci-fi, but it's a like cosmic horror, something like Event Horizon or Sphere. I don't know if you've ever seen those movies. But a mix between sci-fi and horror. I'm, I'm okay. A big fan no, probably too scary for me. <laughs> um, does Alien count as that? Sure. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Old yeah. school alien. So back to your historical biographies, is there one or a couple that stand, stand out to you? I really enjoyed American Ulysses by Ronald C. White. And then um, his very best, which is about the Carter presidency. Oh, really? You yeah. know, I watched on a flight um, the Jimmy Carter rock and roll president. Have you seen that documentary? Uh, I have not. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. It endeared me to him so much because I was raised in a very Republican household and my dad had all kinds of slurs for Jimmy Carter. Um, and in my, my old age and wisdom, I'm like, okay, but I don't, I kind of like him. Um, and the more I learn about him, the more I like him, but that he's a nice man, he's, he's hard to dislike right? well, the, the book, the book is really good because it does balance that kind of, you know, good person, bad president question mark kind of question that I think mm-hmm. clouded him or continues to follow him. And I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's not one of those books where you read 10 pages and fall asleep. I'll put that out there. Really? So it's a good story. Yes. Very good. Okay. So what's the title again? His very best. It's by, best. it's by Jonathan Alter. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. I'm and Mark, Mark, do you have any more questions for Colin or should we? I promised him we would end so he can get to his next. We could go, we could, Carolyn, we could go on and on. Oh, I know. I know. know We have to stop. Is there any, do you have any last words, Colin? We got a great teaser for Mark trying to scoop you. So people need to keep (laughs) their eye on your articles. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? No, I, I just really appreciate you guys having me on and, you know, this, this awesome conversation. There's not, there's not a lot of people that want to really talk about this over a beer or something. So I do really appreciate your time. Ooh, a beer would have made it even more fun. Yeah. Yeah. An 11, an 11 a.m. beer would have been perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. we appreciate your time, Colin. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners. 
please like and share this episode. Thanks to Dynatrace for sponsoring us. And um, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. For more Tech Transforms, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. 